0: Welcome Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a Three-game set against the Cleveland Indians, winning the series two games to one. And uh, I'm dropping the ball on the standings. I just know that the Red Sox are several games back from the Tampa Bay Rays and still uh, one game back behind the struggling New York Yankees. The Seattle Mariners are the next closest team three games back from the Red Sox. So Red Sox still have a three-game buffer if they don't uh, leapfrog the Yankees here coming up. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately, but for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman, coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter, at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account, at Bastards underscore Boston, co-hosting with me tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason, who are you?
1: I'm doing all right. Um, I'm a little annoyed because I had my preseason win prediction at 83, so the Red Sox are annoyingly going to pass that. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I guess that's all for the better for us, so it's all good.
0: Yeah, you know, it's hilarious because we go on this massive skid that resembled something like 2020 in the, in the time frame that 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 slump was going on, which really lasted four or five weeks. And then you lose all these guys. You lose Xander. You lose Kike, one of your hottest hitters. And we bring up Jack Lopez, Jonathan Arauz, Shaw gets some playing time, and we start winning again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's so (laughs) annoying. We start
0: winning again. Yeah. When, When the team's
1: all healthy and everyone's there, you know, they, they lose to bad teams. They but when the half the team's gone to COVID-IL, it's
0: like, oh, well, now we'll win. Yeah. And I forgot Arroyo in there as well. But, yeah, yeah. so they they start winning. And we were we had kind of reversed the skid before a lot of those guys went away. But you go back a week ago, and they all dropped like flies within, like, a three-game period. And we're like, oh, geez, now, now we're going straight back in the toilet. And it, it didn't happen. This was the fifth straight series where we didn't lose it. We, we've we either won the rest of them or tied uh, like we did with Tampa. So, so it's good to see. And, and I guess Kike was playing catch at the end of this game on the field. So okay. he should be clear. I, I would think he'd probably be back tomorrow. And then, in theory, Arroyo as well. But, so yeah, so not not a bad series. We got another tough one coming up against Tampa. We'll get into that one later. But uh so yeah, let's just go through the uh, scores here real quick. Friday, that was a win. eight to five, Nathan Avaldi got the start Saturday won that game as well. That was the fourth win in a row, which is probably the longest streak since at least at some point in July. longest win streak. Tanner helped got that start. And then today, 11-5, to I think. I didn't write it down. That was with Cutter Crawford unexpectedly getting a start because Nick Pavetta went on the COVID IL uh, this morning. And uh, so did Danny Santana. Came back uh, real quick, but... um, So, not not a pretty game today. The four-game streak ended, but a series win nonetheless. We did not blow up on the launch pad like we could have. And on that note, attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Boston, do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth-generation and brand-new lawnmower 4.0 kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0 the orbits in your pants will feel like you're at zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off Plus, free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and hair, nose hair trimmer, as well as ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your entire solar system. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your Spaceballs will thank you. So, got through that one a little cleanly. <laughs> Charlie Smith, not with us tonight. I forgot to mention that in the intro. Had a... Family event going on, so he was unavailable. Jason and I will be holding down the fort. Getting into studs and duds, Jason, who do you have? Who is your stud for the series?
1: My stud was Tanner Houck, uh, who I thought pitched really well on Saturday. Um, One of his better starts of the season, Um, looked sensational. And I know he only went five innings. I know a lot of people are harping on the pitch count. Look, they're handling him with kid gloves, okay? And, and it's, it's obvious why he was hurt earlier in the year. He's a young pitcher. I think they absolutely have him at least penciled in as a guy that they want in the rotation next year. We've debated about that a lot as to whether or not he can actually do it, if he's actually ready. Does he need another pitch? Does he need to be stretched out more? Um, but he showed you on Saturday that, he can at least give you five really good innings. And granted, he went up against a weak lineup. The Indians are not a very good team. He had the benefit of not having to face uh, the Franimal. He uh, you know, Franimal <laughs> had the day off, yeah, so uh, pretty weak lineup when that guy's not in it. If we're being honest. So, but again, at five innings, seven Ks, didn't walk anyone. His control was much better than his previous start. Uh, threw a lot of strikes and just was out there pitching confidently. Um, that you know, that's what you want to see out of a young pitcher so uh, I hope they continue to just let him stretch out let him find himself on the mound because I would love for him to be featured in the rotation next year I think that he's pretty much ready Um, again just got to get that pitch count up there got to get him used to going through the order a third time because you can't protect him all the time so um, good start this weekend and hopefully there's more of those to come
0: And one of the more impressive things about his start, he did not give up a single walk. And uh, the seven strikeouts, pretty good. Arguably his best start of the year, I think we could say. And notably, his splitter was a lot more effective. He was getting some outs on it. So that with the sinker, the slider... I think he's starting to. They're starting to get a feel for him, but they took him out in the fifth inning because in his previous start against Cleveland, I that I don't know if that was the last start or the start before last, but Cora let him out for the sixth because his pitch count was pretty low. It was in the seventies or eighties, and then he gave up a walk, a hit by pitch, and a home run, and just bam, three runs were were. Already on the board, so so he didn't want to take the chance. Went with Robles, got Valdez in there. Um, that was the better of Valdez's two appearances with two innings. Hmm. Had a weird uh, no hits, no walks, no strikeouts line in that uh, in those two innings, but was getting uh, all the the contact outs he needed to. So. Pretty impressive. I know we have a host on the midweek show that is dead set on how going to the bullpen to be a stud God. reliever and Right. I'm not for that. I'm a good year away from from resigning myself to okay, that that has to be his future. I think I think the Red Sox need to you know, give it their full go to try to you know, give him every chance uh, he, he has to, to be a starting pitcher.
1: Yeah, I agree. He's at least got the mentality of a starter. I, I think he's a gamer. I think he's a guy that wants the ball. He wants to go out there and dictate the game, you know, in, within his own hands. So I think you at least have to give it a shot. You have to give him a full season. Let him really stretch out. Leave him in there occasionally against, you know, the, the third time through. Don't just take him out at, you know, 80 pitches because the binder or the analytics tell you so. Um, I think they at least have to give it a shot. I'm not ready to ship him off to the bullpen, you know, after this season. I think I agree. It, 2022, at least give him the chance to to prove that he can be a starter. And if it doesn't work out, then figure it out from there. But he's young. He's going to be, what, 25 next year, I think. So perfect timing. Just let him go in there and figure it out.
0: Couldn't agree more. My stud for the series I'm going with Hunter Renfro, who was four for 11, had a three-run bomb in game one, which basically put the game out of reach for the Indians. That was uh, what basically sealed it. And the funny thing about it was there was a runner already on, and I believe there were two outs, and they walked Verdugo, because he's been hot, to get to Renfro and then Renfro Jack's a three run bomb, <laughs> And that was the end of the game. And he was three for five today. Didn't have much to show for it. Uh, didn't, you know, didn't manage to drive anyone in, but, a uh, pretty good series for him, uh, on what continues to be a much more impressive season than any of us expected.
1: Yeah. He's been incredible this year. Um, for what you're getting out of him and for what little you paid, it's like the reverse of the Garrett S- Richard syndrome where it's like, we forget how much Renfro is making because it's so insignificant anyway. And he's <laughs> just been, he's been so valuable all season. And especially with what he is going through with his father and everything like to come back and still be able to just produce and just pick up where he left off. I mean, that takes some, some stones that I don't think any of us uh, could compare with. So um he's just been so good and that home run like wasn't it on the ninth pitch of that at bat or something
0: I believe it was really grinding it out
1: yeah yeah it was it was a bomb I mean he really has gone back to being just that that real power threat that he was early in his career with San Diego um and defensively you can't ask for much more from him I mean is he perfect out there no but he saves you a lot of runs out in right field and we've said it before like Fenway right field is really tough to play it's there's a lot of guys who couldn't do it um yeah and he makes it look effortless at times so yeah he's he's been incredible um I hope they bring him back next year he's got an option right so they probably will
0: no he's um, actually got two more years of arbitration left oh perfect so. that's even better
1: so yeah just pay him whatever he wants and you know get the arbitration settled and bring him back because he's too valuable
0: yeah and our outfield depth isn't super great you'll have probably Duran and Verdugo at a minimum, and Kike actually as well, depending on how the second base situation shapes up, but um, yeah, and I was going to mention something there. Oh, his his arm, field assists, and I think that's because the league knows now, (laughs) okay, we're not running (laughs) on Renfro, and so we just haven't seen very much of it lately, and I, I think they're they're well aware at this point not to not to run on him or, or try to test his arm, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's see, some honorable mentions. Kyle Schwarber, 3 for 13, hit a home run, a solo home run in game one on Friday to get the Red Sox on the board. Also drove in two runs on a double up the uh, right field gap and uh, continues to look impressive he's got something like a 356 batting average with a 450 something OBP just out of his mind so far with the Red Sox and Rizzo struggling as we've pointed out there was there was one more first baseman on the market not playing very well either. And then Schwarber Bloom just somehow honed in on the right guy, and it's, it's worked out perfectly.
1: Yeah, it's, um, Bloom's looking pretty smart on this one because Schwarber has actually been one of the better bats you could have gotten at the deadline, um, and he's starting to prove that. And I just hope that they don't mess with a good thing, and I kind of want him to stay in the leadoff position even when Kike's back full time. I just think Schwarber out of the leadoff spot for this team for what this team can do is so much more effective. He's, so I hope they keep him there.
0: Yeah, he walks way more, and Kike kind of drifts between being an all or nothing guy, or, and then sometimes he'll just go on a a tear, you know, with extra base hits and whatnot. But on paper, Schwarber. He's going to get on base a lot more than Kike, so that's an interesting observation. Raphael Devers, only two for 10, but basically saved us in game two. We got blanked all day long, stranding base runners, and then it was the seventh, sixth or seventh inning. He hit a three-run bomb and got us on the board and the entertaining thing about that at-bat, and this is what makes Devers so good, it started out as an 0-2 count, and he he was behind. And he took a couple of pitches it just, and was so relaxed about it. And then he worked it into a full count, and there was two outs in the inning, by the way. So one more strike was going to end the inning, and he ended up crushing one to to put us up. It, it was three to nothing at the time. And, um, we'll get to auto here in a minute, but, but a clutch at bat by Devers.
1: Yeah. And another just absolute bomb and kind of to a difficult part of the ballpark for a left-handed hitter. It was like that, sort of that danger corner in left center where it's like, it's actually deeper than it looks, you know, it, it right. wasn't just a wall ball sort of, you know, that was a real bomb. So, yeah. uh really entertaining at bat and that was huge cuz you needed those runs uh, later on in that game so yeah another clutch clutch hit by Devers
0: yeah we lose the series if that didn't happen But, yeah it yep. was r- right up past that that light tower almost at the end yeah. of the monster so that that is in fact a tough home run and and Miguel Sano in the in the Minnesota series hit one Right to that spot, a little bit higher, and I think it was like 498 feet, something like that. It was almost a 500 footer, and it was apparently the second longest home run of the season. <laughs> so right, yeah. right about in that same spot. So very, very difficult, like you said. Let's see, going down the list, Alex Verdugo, three for ten. I keep saying we're going to get to Ottavino, but may as well mention it now. Ottavino coughs up three three runs, uh, gave up a two run shot to Fran Mill Reyes. So the, the three run home run Devers hit was essentially wiped out cause the Indians came back to tie it. But in the bottom of the ninth, uh, Alex Verdugo hit a base hit out to right field and, uh, got, uh, I think it was Jonathan Arauz home for the, basically the walk-off hit. So he continues to have a a good run here since coming back from paternity leave and it'll be interesting to see where he ends up in the in the lineup once we get Kike and Arroyo back, but seems like he he does seem to hit better you know in the in the bottom half of it, yeah,
1: I actually don't mind him down there um I think he does produce pretty well there so and again, he just proved over the weekend like that's a guy that no matter if he's up or he's down, you feel pretty good about him and in, in a big spot, you know, extra innings or, you know, if you need that big hit, um, you, you feel pretty good about him. So, and that was, that was a situation where there were two out. So it's not just like he wasn't just trying to lift He you know, he couldn't just hit a ground ball. He had to drive that thing. And he got a little bit of a meatball, but still he, he drove it and, you know, hit it right over the right fielder's head. So, uh, yeah, you know, it was it was good to see him come come through in a clutch spot like that.
0: And um if I'm not mistaken it was also off a lefty reliever as well. It was. So, yeah. Yep. So it was a lefty lefty matchup. So that's the uh that makes him an unlikely candidate to do something in a spot like that because you know, in the first 4 or 5 innings, the starters in and he's going to stay in, you know, until that point. So you would think that in the first half of the game he would probably do the most damage since they don't have the luxury of necessarily bringing in a lefty so huge at bat for him and uh nice to see Kevin Porwaki 4 for 9 played in two of the games uh drove in a run in each of those games actually hit a line drive home run up into the monster seats in that first game and continues to be a very good offensive catcher
1: yeah I'm I'm fully on board with giving Plawecki way more playing time than Vasquez down the stretch here <laughs> I, I think Vasquez has sucked this season and I'm getting tired of like that well Plawecki can't throw runners out argument who cares does that really matter in the grand scheme of like what this team's trying to do like the fact that Plawecki doesn't have a great arm how many space stealing attempts do you really see against this team it's it's not really a big part of the game. I'd rather have a catcher who calls a good game, first of all, that pitchers look comfortable with. And then secondly, isn't like a black hole in the lineup. And Vasquez hasn't exactly been black holeish. Like he's he's been better than that. But he just, I don't know, I feel like he's taken a major step back this year. And I feel like Ploiecki is just the right guy for what this team's trying to do right now.
0: I'm not a big Vasquez guy, and it's it's specifically because of the game calling. I just, yeah. I don't trust him. And we talk about Tanner Hawk and how he had the best the best start of the year, and who caught him today, Kevin Pulecki. So, so maybe, maybe there's something to that. I I don't know. Cora hasn't particularly been uh, you know much of a personal catcher guy outside of Chris Sale well
1: I, I will say it was actually Vasquez who caught Hauk on Saturday
0: oh my bad I thought he yeah, was catching caught. Um, my um, bad that's his name, Crawford today but but I, nonetheless I, was... I, the,
1: I think the point still stands that I think most of that pitching staff especially Sale and Ivaldi, are more comfortable with Ploiecki than they are Vasquez in, in you know in general
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, Rodriguez historically has been fine with, with Vasquez, but, and I guess Evaldi is, you know, has as well, but yeah, my bad. I thought Hulk pitched today for some reason, but I, I had to watch the, the five, first five innings of that uh, this morning. So that's probably why I'm a little discombobulated. But uh, yeah, so going down the list, the legendary Jack Lopez, two for five. (laughs) He was not trusted uh, to get at-bats late in the games because he was pinch hit for uh, in at least a couple of them. But uh, got a couple of hits. So he's going to have at least two of them in the record books if he never gets called up again. Uh, Travis Shaw two for five uh, was part of that rally. He I believe he was on base when when Devers uh, hit that bomb, so he was part of it. Um, yeah, Santana was 0 for zero for zero with a walk. so uh, ArUs hit a home run as well, but not, not super great. Get, we'll get into the pitching here. Um, Nathan Avoldi. Six and one thirds gave up six hits, three earned runs. Franmil Reyes uh, bit him in the end. It would have been a, it would have been a gem had that stayed in the park. Two walks, nine strikeouts, solid start.
1: Yeah, really not much to complain about. He he just ran into the hottest hitter on the Cleveland Indians right now. So you know you really can't fault him for that. There, I don't think there's anyone who can pitch around that guy at the moment. So. Evaldi looks sharp otherwise.
0: Do you think Reyes might be tradable in the offseason? I don't see why not. Uh I don't see
1: why not, but at the same time, like Cleveland gave up a haul to get him. I mean, that that was part of that three way Alan Tremell deal. Um, they got him and Quantrell, I believe, from San Diego. They and did. Seattle was involved too. Um, so I don't, I don't think Cleveland's going to want to give him up. He's young. He still has team control and offensively it's him and uh, Jose Ramirez. And that's it. That, that team is struggling for offense. And when Bieber's back and ready to go and, you know, they've got, they they always have a pretty good pitching program. So I think they're going to want the big right-handed power bat in their lineup. Um, and they're going to want to build around that. So I would love to. I'd love to have him. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I don't think Cleveland's going to get rid of him at this point.
0: He, he hasn't been super great, you know, until this year. And I just, I guess, the question would be: Is how long of a rebuild is this going to be for Cleveland? Because he's probably got about three years left of control. So, yeah, I could see. I mean, if they just don't think they're competitive, his value would be high now. So that, yeah. that was kind of my logic. He's yeah. And he's definitely like a DH. Like he, he is a butcher
1: in the field and I mean, you can kind of tell he's just a big lumbering dude. So um, he, his value is purely in his power. Um, so if Cleveland wanted to capitalize on the fact that he's probably going to hit, uh, he's got to have at least close to 30 by now uh, in terms of home runs. I think he's up at, like, 28 or 29 after this weekend. Okay. So could be they want to capitalize on that. And if that's the case, then, yeah, they they could definitely move him.
0: Yeah. And, you know, another team might also be willing to give up a bigger haul than than what we are for him. But 25 home runs on the year. Okay. So, yeah, he's hitting 250 right now. What's his – does he walk a lot? not a ton he's got a 326 OBP but starting to starting to get people's attention see when he's a free agent 2025 so he'll have he does have exactly three years left after yeah. this year so yeah I don't know food for thought but our outfield mm-hmm. depth isn't the greatest so um, yep. we'll see uh, let's see anybody else pitch well Adovino had one good appearance one not so good appearance but he came in to finish out that inning for Evaldi got two strikeouts not bad there uh, Valdez got the last two outs he also didn't have a, a great second appearance today gave up five 500 in, in the one inning but on Saturday when we needed to eat up a couple of innings he got a couple so not bad there some guy named uh Schreiber came out of the bullpen today and yeah. uh pitched 3 innings, gave up 4 hits, just one earned run, struck out 5, so probably not a guy who's going to be around for very long, but kept us in it and while he was in we were we were rallying and went it was 6 to nothing. We scored 5 to come within one, but uh couldn't couldn't do much after that. So that will round out the honorable mention. So let's get into the dud side of it. Who was your dud for the series?
1: Yeah, uh, my dud was Jonathan Aruz. Um, I won't spend too much time on him. I don't want to beat the crap out of the kid. But apart from that home run on, what was that, uh, Friday night, Saturday night? Friday, um, yeah. Friday, yeah. Two for 10. Otherwise, he left 12 guys on base the whole weekend. Um, including seven today. So, and look, it, he's 23. He's a guy who only played in the majors, what, last year or two years ago because he was a Rule 5 guy, so they had to keep him on the roster. He's a triple-A, 4A player at best. I mean, you know, even in Worcester this year, he's hitting 231. So just not not a great offensive player. Um, is he a good depth guy? Is he a good utility guy? Sure. Yeah, He you know, he can play a lot of different positions. Um, I think he's pretty solid defensively, but he's just not, he's not big league ready, at least not right now. Will he ever be an everyday player? I don't, I don't really know. It doesn't project that way. Um, but again, he's 23. So the Red Sox have no harm in just trying him out, you know, especially now. I mean, geez, the whole team's a freaking mash unit. So you might as well get some at bats for the kid, but yeah, he's, he's a 4A player, so I, I don't want to beat him up too bad, but apart from that home run, he was pretty wretched this series.
0: I don't have a ton to add. He's a warm body that's in there because Arroyo's out yeah. mainly. so um, They've been playing him at second base, but yeah, not great. My guy, my dud for the series... Another one that's not too significant. I just went with Cutter Crawford today, who I wasn't familiar with. Um, I, I've seen his name in, like, tweets and stuff like that. But he didn't give the Red Sox much of a chance. Went uh, two innings. Gave up five hits, five earned runs. Walked two. Struck out two, if my notes are correct. Um he wasn't there, and an awkward thing happened. His high school coach, I think it was, or, or college coach, he went to uh, the same school as, as Chris Sale, basically, and he was being interviewed, the coach, by Jemai Webster in the like the third baseline seats or whatever, and he was saying how proud he was of of Crawford and stuff, and right as Webster's interviewing him, a ball goes flying over the monster. I think that might have been from Reyes. So, it is what it is. And I think Cora might have gone out right after and uh, pulled him from the game for Schreibner, But I don't think we'll be seeing him. It would have been Connor Siebold had he not pitched yesterday or in the last few days. Siebold would have been the one. But... It ended up being Crawford. And, and Cora said before the game, we like him because he throws strikes. He, you know, he controls the over-the-plate. And uh, everything was over-the-plate. So, <laughs> so yeah.
1: Yeah, that might be the most accurate thing Alex Cora has said all season. Because, <laughs> yeah, he does throw it over-the-plate a lot. He oh. does. Man, oh, man. Th- this guy um... – yeah, I, I'm gonna pick on him a little bit more. As much as I said Arauz might be a four A player, this guy is not even triple A quality. He is. You look at his numbers. Anything above single A, he's getting torched. He's got a ERA in the fives in triple A this year. Uh, he pitched in Portland a little bit. ERA in the fours. He's 25 years old. He's been in the system for a while. Um, you know, just he, he's just a guy. He's just a guy. I, I don't think we're going to be seeing him uh, at any professional level uh, anytime soon.
0: I think he's one and done. <laughs> I yeah. think he was, yeah. and uh, but somebody had to pitch because Pavetta went on the the disabled list, and I you know you could go to Richards, but I, I think they just want to kind of ride that that bullpen run he's on and not. Knock him off of uh, his rhythm in there. so. Yep. And Perez also on the COVID IL. So as awful as Perez has been, maybe he would have given us a 1% better chance, but <laughs> didn't happen. So nobody was really terrible in the series. Um, Santana was the only one who didn't record a hit. He recorded a walk. Dahlbeck has kind of cooled off a little bit, was 2-for-11, struck out four times in the series, but not terrible. Played a good third base today, though. Yeah. Yeah, so going down the list, Austin Davis didn't look too good in one of his appearances. Not going to kill him there. Actually, one guy we probably could have mentioned was Ryan Brazier. He did give up an earned run in his first outing, but um, fin- finished the inning nonetheless. And or excuse me, no, he only went. No, Whitlock came in to get the final out, but still didn't didn't look too bad. And then today in the series finale, uh, pitched a, a scoreless inning. So. At least he's back. He doesn't seem to be phased at all by taking the line drive off the head, which basically took him out for two and a half months. He was he was in his final rehab start when that incident happened with the with the comebacker and and you know so we've got him now. So tough to really know how the back end of the bullpen is going to play out now that we've got him back and we've got Richards pitching very well. You're going to get Barnes back pretty quick. I still like Whitlock in an eighth or ninth inning. So, yeah,
1: I, I think I'd still prefer to see Whitlock back there at least for now. Um, And as far as Brazier goes, like, yeah, he, I don't, I don't think he's anything great. Um, I've said it before. I'm not a big Ryan Brazier guy, but The fact that he's, especially now with what's going on, the fact that he's back and he's at least looking somewhat effective, um, I'll take it. And like you said, especially after what he went through, taking a ball off the head, I mean, that ends a lot of guys' careers, not just because of, you know, uh, obviously the damage that can be done, but just the psychological aspect of it. I mean, it ruined Matt Clement's career. I'll never forget that when Matt Clement was pitching for the Red Sox and he was a pretty decent guy who came over from Chicago and – Took a line drive off the head. He tried to come back and just he had the yips. He couldn't do it. He couldn't pitch. So the fact that Brazier is able to come back and look pretty decent, I'll take it.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, he was okay last year. I mean, arguably one of the better relievers. So if he can at least give us that, I think that's still an upgrade over some of the guys we've seen like Salomora is a guy I'm extremely concerned about. He's on the covid i l but his splitter isn't a strike, and the league knows it now, so yeah I just that's that's a little concerning because we we had kind of leaned on him in high leverage so I think that about does it. there's no one worth really. No one really worth dishonorably mentioning in here. Whitlock gave up a a run, but you know, not a big deal. His ERA is still like one sixty-seven on the season. So we are flying through this episode. So I guess we will get right into the Tampa series. As I, I'm just off this whole episode. I just feel (laughs) like I'm. Not as sharp as I normally am. My notes are a little messy, so I'm getting my se- bullpen sequences mixed up. But tomorrow, Sale Day, that is a one ten 10 start for any of you morning commuters that do not have Labor Day off. So it's basically a, like a Sunday afternoon game. Ryan Yarbrough, again, versus Chris Sale. Yarbrough's a guy we've tattooed all year long so I don't expect much less than that especially likely having Kike Hernandez back in the lineup.
1: Yeah um, in general I like this matchup I I think sales looked really good I think the team looks really good in front of him when he pitches Um, and we have beat up on Yarbrough in the past it's just tough with so many guys out like yeah, they're winning ball games, and and I know they're not missing everybody. They still have, you know, a pretty decent middle of the lineup, but it, you just feel like at some point the luck's got to run out, where it's like you're just missing too many guys, and it's going to catch up to you. So, hopefully, Chris Sale is absolutely on fire tomorrow and has look, you know, looks really sharp, um, and they can at least get a couple runs off Yarborough. So, I think it's one that they should be able to pull out.
0: He, Chris Sale, kind of walked the tightrope in the last start. I think in the first two innings he had runners on first and second with no outs. Got out of it. So hopefully he's just a little bit sharper and a little bit more of a rhythm. I'd love to see Ploiecki catch him, but where he caught today, I I can't imagine they're going to sit Vasquez. Uh, two yeah. games in a row, so he passed the test last time against Tampa, so we're just looking for him to be a little bit more sharper this time and to to uh prevent guys from getting on base, whether he's walking them or giving up those slappy pesky hits that they seem to come up with off of guys like him so. I would agree, though. I, I do think that's a win. Uh, game two will be Eduardo Rodriguez versus... Is it Drew Rasmussen?
1: Yes, so. Drew, yeah. Drew
0: Rasmussen. And Rasmussen's been nasty. But they only keep him in for about four innings. So he he hasn't really been stretched out. And we were getting to him... In the previous series here, so he wasn't quite as sharp as uh, two starts ago against us. So hopefully the lineup continues to have some, uh, you know, some key offensive moments with him and and uh, actually do a little bit of damage before he leaves the game.
1: Yeah, I hope that they, they studied what they saw last time and they come in a little more prepared against him. I know he's still kind of an unknown to a lot of teams. So maybe it was just first time they, they didn't really know what to expect. Hopefully this time they do. Um I still don't really trust Eduardo Rodriguez anytime he's on the mound.
0: <laughs> I, I don't
1: think he's I don't think he's had a very good season. I think that uh I don't know. I he just to me he's another kind of blow up candidate. So um, and I think this could be the game where the lack of the roster and, and the lack of guys in the lineup could catch up to you. So um, I don't feel good about this one. I think Eduardo is going to struggle. So I, I don't see the Red Sox pulling that one out.
0: I have trust issues as well. He did pitch against them in the last series, went six full innings, uh, didn't give up an earned run. So I'm kind of hope. And he's not a very good pitcher in – The Trop, it's one of his worst ballparks, if not the worst. So, uh, hopefully he just carries that momentum in, but where they've seen him recently, I I feel like the Rays lineup often makes better adjustments than the Red Sox lineup does, so it might not go well. But for what it's worth, he he did pitch uh, fairly well, well, very well, actually, in that last start. And Rasmussen also you mentioned they haven't seen much of him. He came over in the Nelson Cruz trade in July. So that's part of the reason. Yeah. And also notably the Brewers have probably one of the better pitching programs in major league baseball. I, I would say it's probably even top five. So to go from one of the best to another one of the best in Tampa, uh, you, you got to expect good things from him. I, Admittedly, I'm not too familiar with him outside of these last couple of starts, but I kind of wonder what his future's going to be if he will be stretched out into a five- or six-inning guy, and could he be one of those sneaky Cy Youngs? Because Tampa's going to produce at least one or two Cy Youngs every decade, by the way their program is. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. They did it twice with uh, David Price and Blake Snell in the last decade, and I didn't think Snell was going to be anything when he first came up. Price was a first overall pick in whatever year that was, oh six, oh seven, something like that. And uh yeah. yeah, so and then in the final game of the series, that's gonna be Nathan Evaldi, according to the ESPN uh schedule anyway. Nathan yeah. Evaldi versus Shane McClanahan, so tough matchup there. It, well, actually, you have game two as a loss, do you? Is that where you were going? it? Yeah, at? Okay. I do, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with a win on that one. But this matchup concerns me, Evaldi versus McClanahan. So what do you think of it?
1: Yeah, I know they beat up McC- McClanahan last time. I don't see that happening again. Um, I, I think this kid's too good. And I, I Evaldi's been pitching well, so it, it's hard to really bet against him. But he's he's given up a few home few more home runs here and there. So I don't know. He's been a little more vulnerable lately. And I just, again, I, this is one where what's the lineup going to look like? You know, like what what are you exactly tossing out there? I don't know how many guys were slated to get back this week, if we're going to get any except Kike at all. Um, so I'm, I'm a little worried about that. And I, I just think McClanahan's going to make the adjustments. He's not going to let himself get beat by this team again. So... I have Game 3 as a loss as well.
0: I'll probably... It would be insane if I picked a Tampa sweep. So I, <laughs> I feel like... I feel like... that That's a game we could definitely lose. And they've seen Evaldi enough times. We haven't seen McClanahan... Quite as many times, and he looks like a future bona fide ace. They lose a guy like, like Tyler Glass now, and then Shane McClanahan <laughs> emerges. Yeah, so it's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> it's they're so good at it, and yeah. I I hope Bloom recognizes why and is able to replicate that with the Red Sox, and. It, it's not just with the big club here. You, you need those guys in AAA and AA to develop these guys at those levels. And I, I think that's what the secret is to Tampa. Yeah. And, and, yeah, so you mentioned who we could possibly get back. You could conceivably get back Arroyo. That will uh, – the 10 days should be up, uh, at least by the third game of the series. Xander Bogarts probably won't be uh, until – at least this weekend, I feel like it was, what, last Friday or so? Or maybe – no, maybe it was the Tampa. No, it was – no, he's in Florida right now, so that was in the Tampa series. So, yeah, I guess conceivably by the end of the weekend he could be back. That would be against Chicago. And he was asymptomatic, so I don't think there's going to be any any issues with with him coming back. Yeah. Yeah, and Barnes as well, but I'm just – I feel like he's the fourth best reliever in that bullpen right now, at best, based on what we've seen from some guys recently. So, or maybe, maybe this layoff will will do him some good. Who knows? But but Barnes could be back uh, at any point as well. So you've got the Red Sox dropping it two games to one. Yeah, yeah, I think they'll they'll lose two out of three. Okay, I'll take I'll take the opposite. I'll say. I'll say two, two games to one in favor of Boston. But you can make a case for every every game to be a win if if you're just saying that Evaldi going to be on, Rodriguez is going to be on. You could say it could be a sweep. I mean, so um, we'll see. They've surprised us a little bit recently. But what what would that do? I dropped the ball here uh, at the in the open with the standings so if
1: they were to if they were to sweep, they'd be five back okay, they're still eight back at the moment,
0: eight back, yeah, and even if we were if we do it, five back is still pretty immense with uh about three and a half weeks left to go by the yeah. end of it, so they'd have to go on a massive skid. I will say this, Oakland's slipping, the Yankees are slipping they just lost a series to the Baltimore Orioles. Um, they,
1: for some reason, they cannot beat the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of pathetic. And <laughs> like, if they if they had won all those games against Baltimore, they would be in such a different position than they are right now. It's kind of unbelievable.
0: Yeah. So, I think we could get home game advantage. I don't know if that, I, I would think that would be an advantage because of, uh, you know, right field sketches me out in Yankee Stadium with lefty hitters. But Joey Galloway, uh, Joey Galloway, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> I am just off tonight. Joey Gallo. <laughs> big disadvantage for him to have to play at Fenway in that game because that's a much okay. bigger right field. So, yes. The Yankees are well on their way to be in the Dallas Cowboys. Of, uh of MLB but that'll be a topic for a different show. So, quick one, uh this episode, maybe some of you like that we try to stop it around an hour. It's been drifting a little bit beyond that, but we've been pretty good about not having a 90-minute episode uh like they were drifting earlier in the season. So, 24 hours after this one, Hot Take Tuesday will be available. So be on the lookout for that. And then we'll be back on Wednesday night to discuss what did go down in the Tampa Bay series. And I promise you guys, my command will be a little sharper on that episode. Take care.